0: You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, the world's leader in Internet talk radio. Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the hosts or guests and callers. Now here's your host, Marty Caldwell.
1: Well, welcome to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell, and it's a pleasure to be with you today. Each week our show will bring you national experts, authors, adopted parents, adoption professionals, and people who have been touched by adoption. Let's Talk Adoption is a weekly internet show that can be heard worldwide on Let's TalkAdoption.com. We provide the answers to your adoption questions. During the course of our show, we'll cover many important topics in adoption. You can participate by logging on and emailing us questions through our website, Let's TalkAdoption.com. Now Please send your questions as early as possible, and that way we can answer them on the show as soon as possible, too. And then we'll also post your questions and answers. We don't have to use your last name at all. On our website, you'll find a lineup for upcoming shows, a free adoption newsletter, previous adoption archive shows, and adoption resources just for you. Our guest today is Sherry Eldridge, an author of 20 Things Adopted Kids Wish Their Parents Knew, and she has a brand-new book out, 20 Life-Transforming Choices Adoptees Need to Make. Um, has been just released, and we'd like to thank Sherry for being our guest today. So join us now for Let's Talk Adoption as we welcome today's guest, Sherry Eldridge. Sherry, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. It looks like you've been really busy lately. I understand you're um, a reunited adoptee and a grandmother of an adopted child that was just, what, finalized this morning? That's right. I just came from the
2: courthouse, and boy, did that bring back thoughts for me as an adoptee. I bet. You know, thinking about how much my parents went through to get me and how much they loved
1: me and... It was really
2: pretty awesome. We were all choked up. I bet you were. Bless mm-hmm.
1: your heart. I appreciate you uh, you know, being on the show today after such an emotional day this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tell me, what made you decide to write a book about um, your adoption experience?
2: Well, I had gone through a painful reunion with my birth mother, mm-hmm. and I went through about seven years of therapy every week,
3: and wow. I learned
2: to wrap words around the feelings that are so difficult for adoptees to verbalize. Uh-huh. And so the 20 things, I, when we started our um, hard copy newsletter, this was just one little article that I wrote from my heart, and we started having responses from all over the country, people wanting to reprint it and so on. And so I thought, oh, maybe this is a good topic for a book. And so that's how it all started.
1: Well, tell me, you say we. Tell us about your organization or what you have how you're tied into adoption today so we can kind of let our listeners know where you're starting. Okay.
2: Our organization is called Jewel Among Jewels Adoption Network Incorporated. Mm-hmm. If you want to find us on the web, we're at www.adoptionjewels.org. And we offer several things. We offer public speaking. We offer resources such as four adoption workbooks Mm -hmm. that cover every person in the triad. Uh, They're all biblically based. Um, We have an online newsletter. And we're just starting a, a, what do you call it, a thing where people can uh, run a blank. A digest where people can write in their feelings, you know, in between uh, newsletters and and dialogue with one another.
1: That's great. I was looking over your, your the sheet that um, your publicist sent to us, and it says uh-huh. current speaking topics. Um, you've got a the, the gift of grief, how to construct a grief box, under his wings, creating a safe place for adoptees to talk about adoption.
3: Yeah, beauty
1: for ashes, a healing path for those touched by adoption, and twelve steps for adoption teen, adopted teens. Mm-hmm. Um, what adoptees need to know and just all kinds of wonderful topics for the entire triad um i was really impressed um and your site is great so oh, i'm, I'm thank you. encouraging families and we'll give that website again later in the program so we'll have that so basically what you're doing is um you're helping and you travel all over the world you've been to thailand and china
3: yeah
2: um,
1: tell me a, a little bit about your travels too
2: Well, um, the most exciting one was the travel to Beijing. Mm -hmm. And I was invited by CBN Asia to give a talk to 40 hand-selected Chinese people. Uh, There were government officials. There were... Um, college professors, um, you name it, and because they don't have any information about adoption over there. Wow. And the host said to me, now, you know, you've got to be very sensitive. Don't mention the word adopt or adoption. It's very sensitive here in China. So I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Yes. The name of my book has adoption in it.
3: Yeah.
2: And so anyway, um, she came up to me. I must have said it during the first five minutes of the of the, uh Program and she came up and she said, Sherry, you just can't say that word. And so I just prayed and I said, Lord, you know, you're just going to have to tell me what to say and what How not do you to say. I'll replace that, yes. And I had an interpreter and as he interpreted, I edited. Yes. And um, it was just so amazing because even though I couldn't say the word adoption or adoptee, I got to give out all the scripture that I wanted.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah,
2: it was really exciting.
1: And so, how long was uh, how long that how long was your trip? Just a, a short trip, then over there for that one program. Uh, we were over there actually about three weeks. Wow, that's a long time. hmm That's great. Now, tell me, um, you know, I know that um, we you talk about about adoptees and when birth parents and, and the whole triad, and your estimate, how many adoptees um, want to uh, meet their birth parents? Well.
2: You know, it's sad, Marty, because there's no statistics on this yet, Uh but I think all adoptees do, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Uh Uh, Adoption experts, Dr. Brzezinski and Schechter, who have Uh 30 years of experience working with adoptees, Uh they say that all adoptees, are on a search,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it begins when we ask at a very young age, "Well, who was she and when was where was I born and mm-hmm. all those basic questions is a sign that we're beginning our search.
1: Do you think it's more prevalent in uh, girls and boys
2: uh, in my experience yes it's uh, I think the men tend to repress it
1: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and the women uh, a lot of times when we go through pregnancy, it will bring it up. Uh, mm-hmm. and we 'll have thoughts about our our birth mothers and what she went through that
1: makes and, sense that makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah, and so I think so see, so you feel that it 's been you know it 's normal for adoptees to feel talk think about their birth parents
2: oh absolutely, <clears throat> I mean when you think about how intimately united we were with our birth Mother, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it says in Psalm one thirty nine that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. We were knit together in our birth mother's womb. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is such an intimate union. And I was so astounded, Marty, to find out in my research that in the last trimester of pregnancy, the uh, unborn baby and the mother are actually having dialogues between mm. one
1: another. Really? And how and, is that? How is that done? How'd you? What'd you here find out? Pardon? The dialogue would be just um, through the the heartbeat or through...
2: I don't know how it happens, but Mm -hmm. they've proven that that does happen. Interesting. And, um, you know, that in turn has an effect on how our life experience might be. If we heard negative things in the womb, Mm
3: -hmm. uh,
2: we may have a negative outlook on life, whereas Mm -hmm. if we had messages like, oh, I can't wait to see your sweet face. I can't wait till you're born.
1: Mm -hmm. We
2: probably have a very positive outlook online.
1: That might help also to explain uh, how, you know, I know if we've had birth moms that have contacted us where most of them are very happy with their pregnancy as far as in the adoption decision. Many of them are very angry or very upset about it and are are stressed at maximum levels of stress during the pregnancy. And I've had many, um, not many, but I've had a few birth moms that just Uh, were very angry about their pregnancy and um, uh, very vocal about um, the inconvenience of the pregnancy. And I'm just wondering if that does affect some children, too.
2: Oh, I think it does. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the bottom line is does the birth mother, I mean, it's a given that in an unplanned pregnancy, it's going to be stressful anyway. Sure. But if the birth mother loves that baby, basically, and mm-hmm. you know wants the very best for it, that's going to be communicated to the baby. Right. But if it if the birth mother looks at the baby as an it, and I can't wait to get rid of you, which was my is the case in my adoption, mm-hmm. um, somebody has likened to that, likened a baby in a dark room for mm-hmm. nine months all alone. That's what it's like.
1: Mm, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, very interesting image, too. What kind of fantasies do adoptees create about their birth uh, families? Um,
2: well, when they get upset with their adoptive parents, they probably, uh, like most kids, dream of the perfect parents that are out there that will, you know, just be wonderful and they'll just be like a dream, mm-hmm. everything they've been looking for. And, and um you know, when adopted, when non-adopted kids reach like seven or eight years old, they give up that fantasy because they realize that, hey, mom and dad aren't perfect and I'm not perfect and the world isn't perfect and they give up that fantasy. But for the adopted child, there really is another family out there.
1: That's interesting because, um, yeah, a lot of uh, parents, I think, were um, adopted parents would worry about that, but that's really natural. And I think... Uh, even children um, that are biological sometimes say, I must be adopted because, you know, I've got to have nicer parents too." <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, when they get upset or, you know, they're grounded or something. Right. Um, I think that some people have. But I think that, that the fantasies, and you do write about some of that in your 20 things adopted. Uh, kids wish their adopted parents knew. In that book, I did read some of those. were quite interesting. Uh, really informative books, I have to say. Your, the, um, the 20 Life Transforming Choices Adoptees um, Need to Make. Um, it's a really good book, and I, I can you share where we can find your book, too, where peop, uh, some of our listeners can buy your book?
2: Sure. They can find it uh, at our website at www.adoptionjewels.org. They can go to familiar sites like Amazon.com or mm-hmm. BarnesandNoble.com or in any bookstore. It's in both Christian
1: and secular bookstores. That's great. And I encourage you, too. I just went to a Barnes and Noble the other day, and I encourage my listeners that When I went in there, and I I had to ask where the adoption section was, which is really sad, and I salivate when I go into bookstores; I absolutely (laughs) love it. But I was so saddened because when I I went there, and she says, "Well, we don't get very many requests." And there, that was in the very bottom under parenting, and um, it was—I think they had maybe ten books, and Mm -hmm. most of them were outdated. And I thought, you know, that's really sad. So I encourage people too: is if you go into a bookstore, mention that you'd like to see more adoption books because I think it's really important that we educate the community. Um, on adoption, and I think more people um, need to know about adoption. Don't you agree?
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Tell me, uh, um, now, um, did you meet your birth relatives, and what was the experience like?
2: Yes, I did meet my birth relatives. I met my birth mother 11 years ago after searching for her for 10 years.
4: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: I, I searched nine years on my own and finally hired an adoption professional, and she found her in about two days,
1: no kidding, yeah, what a difference,
2: yeah, and um she had moved all over the country, uh changed her name, and so it was just a miracle that God brought mm-hmm. her into my life. Mm-hmm. It started out as a fairy tale reunion, it was just wonderful when she saw my photograph for the first time, she said, "Oh, when I look at your sweet face, I just know that you're mine." It was almost like, you know, a newborn mother, Mm -hmm. a mother looking at her newborn for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very tender words. And within two weeks, we were both very excited about meeting each other. So my husband and I flew out west where she lives. And um, because she has never worked through adoption, loss, and grief, Mm Everything, all the repressed emotions and everything that she had came to the surface, and she was just not able to handle it. Really? And she just started getting very
1: mean. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and uh, I know i She was pushing not... you away then? Hmm?
1: She was pushing you away?
2: She was pushing me away. She was keeping me at arm's length and saying, uh, this is a happy occasion for you, but it's very hard for me. And I couldn't understand, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, mm-hmm. I thought I was doing pretty well. Um, but she finally, by the, the last day of the visit, I had given her a photograph album,
4: uh-huh.
2: and, she, and I said to her, do you want me to take the photograph album back because she had not wanted it? Uh-huh. And she grabbed the steering wheel and she said, you don't know how hard it is to give up a baby. I have thought about you every single day of my life. Mm. And I said, oh, that's the best news I ever heard. I thought you forgot all about me. Mm. And then she said, well, now you're happy that I'm sad. And see, that's what unresolved mm. adoption loss does. We, Interesting. We can't look at things in the right perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And so do you, because of your experience, do you advise uh, adoptees uh, or their adoptive parents to help their, their children to seek out their birth relatives later in life?
2: If that is the adoptee's desire, absolutely. I think giving them 100% is what they need.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what, Sherry, we're going to take a quick little break here. Okay. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have Sherry will share more about her experience, personal experience with adoption, and about her new book. So during the break, please email any questions you have to info at letstalkadoption.com. We'll be right back.
0: Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoption of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All their services are private and confidential and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parent Seeking Family page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com. Lifetimeadoption.com.
4: feel
0: Are you ready to lose weight, gain confidence, and be happy? Then tune into the former Fat Guy Show. Fit wise and well. Hosted by Rob Cooper every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific. Rob, who lost nearly 300 pounds of fat while gaining over 50 pounds of muscle, has the key to unlock a happier, healthier lifestyle and wants to share it with you. Unlock your weight loss potential on the former Fat Guy Show, Fit Wise and Well with Rob Cooper, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on VoiceAmerica.com.
5: Organizations, like all living organisms, have structure and form beyond their base functions. As change occurs within an organization, adaptation and survival are paramount issues. On our show, Morphing the Organization, Quantum Strategies for Business Development, Jean McClellan addresses these key issues for individuals and businesses in transition. Jean will also bring in experts in organizational development who will create strategic framework for transitioning from what is to what must be. If your business is in transition, Join Jean and her guests on Morphing the Organization, Quantum Strategies for Business Development, brought to you by the Center for Strategic Management, every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on VoiceAmerica.com. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, Joe Jones brings you Discover Dolls and Bears. Tune in to learn about the exciting world of teddy bear and doll making, selling, and viewing. Also, Joe Jones will welcome the leading names in the doll and bear industry as guests and allow you, the listener, to have your questions answered by professionals. So tune in to Discover Dolls and Bears every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time here on Voice America.
0: You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, the world's leader in Internet talk radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty.
1: Hi, we're speaking today with Sherry Eldridge about her two books, 20 Things Adopted Kids Wish Their Adopted Parents Knew, and 20 Life-Transforming Choices Adoptees Need to Make. So please email any questions at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, Sherry, before we left on our break, I know that you have some positive experiences with your... your reunion. Tell us about that.
2: Yes, I did have a very positive ending to my reunion. One day I got an email from somebody that said, so you're an author, welcome to the family. And I thought, well, who is this? It's (laughs) probably a fellow author or something congratulating me. I didn't get who it was. Mm -hmm. Two days later I got a phone call from my birth uncle, my birth mother's brother, youngest Mm -hmm. brother. And he Uh, invited us to reunite with he and his wife, my husband and I, and we traveled to southern Indiana. Mm -hmm. And he just, you know, showered us with memories and gifts and everything, and and, uh, he told me my history. It was just so incredible because... My grandfather and my great-grandfather were lighthouse keepers on the Great Lakes from the 1850s to the 1950s.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah. And he said, you know, I was so afraid of rejection after the thing with my birth mother. And he said, Sherry, rejection is not in my vocabulary. I just don't know what that is. You know, you Uh. just might as well forget about it you know you've got us and you're stuck with us now and we're never going to reject you and that is
1: wonder and so you know that's really nice to know that maybe even if you get some rejection from and I know you talk about that in your book yes from uh, talk about that part
2: yeah you know after i was rejected i was just so bruised and hurting that i thought i the thought never even entered my head mm-hmm. that i could contact other members of my birth family until i heard somebody talk about it at an adoption support group And so I did. I uh, contacted an aunt first through a a letter. Mm -hmm. My birth mother went ballistic. Um, Mm -hmm. But it opened the door, and I have met my whole family. Mm -hmm. And they're wonderful. They're wonderful.
1: And how how is your your birth mother doing now? We can't control anybody else's feelings or emotions. How is she doing now?
2: I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I have no relationship with her. Um, I finally got to the point where... I realized I didn't need her love to feel good about myself, mm-hmm. and I told her I thought it was time that we say goodbye. Yes. She agreed, and so we just let go of it. And that's just a chapter that I don't understand. Are but, you, are, uh, do,
1: you, do you ever regret um, seeking her out?
2: Absolutely not.
1: Okay.
2: Because I faced my greatest fear. I experienced my greatest fear, which is rejection by my birth mother, and I came through and I... And I got to know God in such a more intimate way than I had ever known before. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: It'd be really hard without having a spiritual foundation to be able to go forth and seek out and realizing that, you know, God's not going to reject you. And even if you have rejection or you find that your birth parents are deceased. That's right. um, You've got that. And I just, I can't imagine trying to reach out and do that without a spiritual foundation and having, you know, the Lord in your life.
2: Well, I totally agree. I all my healing has come. The final step has come from Scripture and from the Holy Spirit. And I remember when my birth mother was verbally um, abusing me over the phone the first time. Mm-hmm. And the words of Isaiah 49:15 came to mind. Do you remember what those are? Share that with us. It's this is a Sherry paraphrase. Okay. Okay. It goes something like this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast mm-hmm. and have no compassion on the child she has born? Yes, she may, but I, and this is God speaking, mm-hmm. I will never forget you, Sherry. See, you are engraved on the palms of my hands, and your life, your walls are always before me. Mm. And so when she was saying those words, I heard those words in my ears, but in the spirit part of me, I heard the words of Isaiah 49:15. And I knew that Jesus was in me, around me, under mm-hmm. me, on top of me, giving me all
1: kinds of strength yeah. to get through that greatest That experience. is a wonderful scripture, and I think that holds a lot of people, too. It does. Tell me, some adoptees assume you know, this, the, a victim role, yes. a mentality. Um, why do they see themselves as victims?
2: Well, it's interesting to look at neuroscience. I learned this in my research. Um, what happens after a baby is, baby is born is that the senses, our senses bring us information. And the information that an adoptee would get would be, she's gone, I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. The second thing that happens is that our brain constructs sen- our um, sensations that go along with that selective information. So I think it would be fear and abject terror. Just mm-hmm. think of being taken away from the... The person you were most intimately united with for nine months—I can't imagine it.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And then, the first conscious memory that we have would be: this world is not a safe place.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: I am helpless. I am a victim. I am at the mercy of others. Mm -hmm. And so, adoptees—maybe they aren't—it isn't even conscious. This belief, Mm -hmm. but they build this—you know—behaviors around this belief system. And they often sabotage themselves, or I should say we often sabotage mm-hmm. ourselves, set ourselves up for rejection, do those kind of things mm-hmm. um, that indicate that we're a victim.
1: We see that with foster children, too. When I was a foster mother um, and some of the children wouldn't allow you to get close,
2: yeah. and
1: we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah, and um, just could not believe any good news, and I've seen it with children that I've helped find homes for, too. That they've really struggled with, is this family really going to keep me, you know,
3: yeah.
1: and um, and I think that really, can... how can you tell, what are the signs uh, for like an adoptive parents listening to the program today, if if their adoptee, their child is, is thinking like a victim?
2: Um, I would encourage them to um, help their child see the options
3: mm-hmm.
2: before them. When you're a victim, you can't see any options. You're just overwhelmed. And I liken it to a little story. I have twin grandsons, and when they were just old enough to sit up in a grocery cart, I would take them to the bakery, and I would say, okay, do you want a goodie? And of course, their answer was yes. And so we went to the bakery counter, and they looked at all the goodies, and I said, now, which one do you want? And they'd say, this one. And then two seconds later, they'd change their mind and say, I want this one. And that went on and on. And I got so frustrated, and later I talked to their mother, my daughter, who's an incredible mother, and she said, Mom, they just don't have the ability to choose yet. Mm -hmm. You have to narrow it down to Mm -hmm. two choices, and then they'll be able to choose whether they want a donut or a cream puff. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of that way with adoptive parents, that they can narrow those um, options down for their children it will help them to not feel overwhelmed and like a victim,
1: so the options would be what what kind of options give us examples for adopted parents?
2: okay, it would be um the option of having an unshakable self esteem i
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, I just love ezekiel sixteen four to seven that says and this is again a sherry paraphrase, but okay. on the day you were born, you were thrown out into an open field unwanted, but i, this is God speaking came by and saw you there lying in your own blood. And I said to you, live, thrive like a plant in the field. And you did. You became a jewel among jewels.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Marty, I have not said that scripture to one adoptee, but what their eyes just light up. Yes. They say, you mean I am a jewel in God's eyes? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that they can do for them. Mm-hmm. Give them that scriptural underpinning, that scrip- scriptural base for their self-worth, which mm-hmm. is something that we adoptees often have much trouble
1: with. Mm-hmm. That's you right, know, and sharing that too. Yeah. Tell me, and, and um, how can a story like of Moses help adoptees see themselves in a different light?
2: Well, it's really been interesting because all of our workbooks are based on the life of Moses.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And after running support groups for nine years, I've heard many adoptees say, you know, Sherry, the story of Moses was just so meaningful to me. It was the most meaningful part of the study. And I said, well, why was that? And they say, well, because I didn't feel weird anymore. I Mm -hmm. didn't feel alone anymore. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the life of Moses, I mean, he had typical adoptee uh, issues. He was very angry. He killed a guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He isolated himself on the backside of the desert. I mean, he has all the classic things. He suffered abandonment. uh, And it just neutralizes the feelings of loneliness, and mm-hmm. it, it takes down the defenses. You know, if you read to your child about the, the story of Moses, they may think, oh, you know, he really is like me, and I'm, I'm normal. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a good springboard to use with adopted children and adults.
1: Right. Do you have any books that you can recommend, children's books, that you particularly like that you think are helpful for adoptive parents to read to their children?
2: Well, the one that I have that isn't published yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll have to come back uh, on the
1: show when you get that published.
2: Yeah, I'm not familiar with any children's books. Mm-hmm. I think they're sadly lacking.
1: Yeah, so pro- I, think so. I think so, too. That's why uh-huh. I think I'm asking you, is because there aren't a lot of really great books out there, too, a few. But for children, uh, ad- addressing adoption, I think, uh, is very yeah. important. For all the children's books we have, um, I'm amazed how few there are on adoption.
2: Yes, and how to deal with adoption loss, which mm-hmm. is one of the realities of adoption. I mean, mm-hmm. you go into Barnes & Noble or Borders and you look uh, and see how to grieve uh, a divorce f- for a child, how to de- grieve the death of a grandparent, mm-hmm. on and on and on, but there's nothing there for the adopted child.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important. with uh, With 500,000 kids in foster care right now, Many are going to be adopted and children internationally adopted and nothing out there for them. Boy, that is just an area waiting to be opened up. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And um, when we come back, we'll continue with our guest, uh, Sherry Aldridge. And um, don't touch that mouse. Email your questions to us and we'll be right back.
0: Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoption of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All their services are private and confidential and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parent Seeking Family page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com lifetimeadoption.com. Tune in to Solutions with Dr. John Jensen every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on voiceamerica.com. Dr. Jensen is an author and a licensed clinical psychologist who has made a lifetime study of spirituality. Solutions is a forum for you, the listener, to find solutions to common problems and will offer consistent, intelligent, in-depth treatment of issues in public debate that affect people's well-being. That's Solutions with Dr. John Jensen every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on voiceamerica.com.
5: Do you have questions concerning your personal finances but don't know where to turn? Then you need to listen to you, your money, and the market hosted by the Traders Coach Robin Dane every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and manage money and wants to share them with you. Have fun making and saving money with Robin Dane every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com.
4: The birth of a child is a wonderful thing. However, sometimes it causes some unpleasant changes to happen in the mother's body. What is postpartum depression and how can you deal with it? Find out on Health Matters with Dr. Shoshana Bennett every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Dr. Bennett has a PhD in clinical psychology and is the president of California's Postpartum Health Alliance. Health Matters will not only discuss postpartum depression, but will cover a wide variety of women's health and parenting issues. Tune in to Health Matters every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time here on voiceamerica.com.
0: You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, the world's leader in Internet talk radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at Now, once again, here's Marty.
1: Well, welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. And... You know, you can email us your questions to be answered on the air at info at Let's Talk Adoption. And next week, our guest will be Adam Kurtman, um author of The Adoption Nation and executive director of the Evan um, B. Donaldson Adoption Institute. Adam joins us to discuss a wide variety of issues, including the ethics of adoption, advocacy for children, and will share his own personal experience in writing Adoption Nation. So today we're speaking, though, to author Sherry Eldridge, And we've got a lot to cover yet in 15 minutes here, Sherry. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, every adoptee has choices um, they can make on how they cope with um, what they've been handed in in, in life. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the key choices adoptees can make um, that will impact their outlook? And this is for adoptive parents to help their children, adoptees listening, and even adoption professionals listening. What What can they do?
2: Well, one of the important things is that they give themselves, the adoptees give themselves permission to think freely about the birth parents.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: We adoptees tend to feel funny about talking or thinking about our birth parents. We think that we shouldn't have those thoughts or, or talk about those thoughts to our adoptive parents because we may seem disloyal. We may mm. seem ungrateful for all the wonderful things that they've done for us. But they keep popping up, and I think about, you know, how you put a sack of popcorn in the microwave, uh-huh. and it just pop, pop, pops. That's how the questions come up at unexpected times. And I'm sure the adoptive parents out there, if your children do verbalize those thoughts or feelings, they probably come at the most inconvenient times, like when when you're at very busy intersection
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: waiting to go through it well what's the name of my birth mother they may say <laughs> you know so um i think they need to um and parents need to encourage um the children to think freely about their birth parents like you know where i wonder where you got that beautiful red hair do you think it could be from your birth mother
1: mhm I think it's very important. I know that I read in Chapter 14 of your book um, of the 20 Life Transforming Choices Adoptees Need to Make, Uh, it talks about talking about, um, the chapter's title, talking about our birth parents to our adoptive parents doesn't mean that we're being disloyal. That's right. And, um, you know, it talks about, um, a little bit about, if you're, you know, being a rubber band in opposite directions, of loyalty to both sets of parents, how confusing that must be to a child. And I know that in our own home we talk about birth parents uh, and, and biological families um, freely so that that child has that experience and it's not a, a, something you freeze up for. Like you say, you're in an intersection and you have an accident. <laughs> the question is such a surprise. Yes. Um, I just have to say again, you know, your book is so power-packed for adoptees, for adoptive parents. I really feel um, the value in that. It, it's uh, 19 dollars but I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a very, um, the money you'll spend on this will save you tons of grief and I think lots of <laughs> therapy. And I think it's a wonderful book. It's just power-packed, and I can't wait to get through the rest of it. Um, Tell me, I've got um, you say that other people, other adopted uh, people, can really, truly uh, can't truly understand uh, what adoptee is feeling. You know, you have to be adopted, I guess, to really have be in their shoes.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: Why does hearing the stories of other adoptees help so much?
2: Well, it's kind of like the story of Moses. Going back to that, when you Uh hear the stories of other adoptees, they say oh, my gosh, I didn't realize anybody else felt that way. I feel the same way, too. Uh-huh. And it takes down the defenses, and it builds community and fellowship. And... um it just neutralizes it. So I think the big thing with adoptees is we have all these inner struggles and we don't talk about them, and we don't know that all the other adoptees or the majority of adoptees in the world experience the same thing.
3: Mm-hmm. I had
2: a woman write to me after she read the 20 Choices book,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, a, 70, a 72-year-old woman, and she said, I've felt these things and thought these things all my life, but I didn't know it was okay to say
1: them. mm their heart, Yeah. You know, well, and so we're talking about setting up networks, support networks, and the Internet's great. But how can our listeners go about setting that support network up for themselves?
2: Well, I would encourage them to maybe put an ad in their newspaper uh-huh. that they're going to start an adoption support group.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, I would encourage them to visit our website because we do have those four workbooks that are biblically based.
1: Just just give us Uh, that website real quick again while you're doing that, Cheryl. Okay,
2: it's www.adoptionjewels.org.
1: Okay, I'm sorry, and go ahead.
2: That's okay. Um, The workbooks are very user-friendly. It's Mm -hmm. very easy to to be the leader for it, so you don't have to be intimidated by that. And we will do whatever we can from our organization to help you get started and encourage you
1: Mm -hmm. So wherever you are. And our listenership is worldwide. So uh, you know, people even in Europe uh, could bit, tidbits. They can go on on the site and get information. And order, and you send uh, ship internationally to Canada and overseas.
2: Oh, absolutely! In fact, we just sent an order to the Middle East.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh wow, so, that's wonderful!
2: Yeah, and my book Twenty Things has just been printed in French as
1: well. That's great.
2: So. Well, yeah. you're,
1: you're reaching out all over. What about our, our, our we've got listeners um, who have adopted uh, loved ones, whether they're grandchildren or their children themselves or friends. What can they do to help um, them? To, to help adopt, them? To help the adoptee heal. To... If they're, and they may not even know they need ha- healing. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, a lot of times they'll say, well, you know, I'm not feeling this pain or whatever. But what can, what can others help uh, as far as if they do have friends that have been adopted
2: mm-hmm. and
1: are, are having a struggle?
2: I think more than anything to create a safe place for the adoptee to verbalize these feelings without being judged mm-hmm. or criticized or made fun of. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we feel safe and let down our guard, there's much healing that that occurs. I think another thing is to provide that unconditional love. I will be here if you, you know, search and get rejected or whatever. I will always be here for you. There's something about us adoptees that... That part, that ability to retain that "I am here for you" thought, mm-hmm. just doesn't work. It has to be reinforced over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so, just keep saying, "I'm here for you. I will always be here for you. I will always love you."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that's probably the best way that that's
1: that's great, very good advice. Parents can. Many many Christians are adoptive parents. What can they do to minimize the um, victim mentality in their children early on? Well,
2: I think, first of all, to educate themselves about the realities of adoption. I would say read, read, read everything you can get your hands on about adoption. Mm-hmm. Another thing would be to work through your own uh, possibly infertility issues or mm-hmm. any issues that you have before you adopt, because if you don't, you won't be able to be there emotionally for your child.
1: That's a very good point.
2: Yeah, you can't go to a place of pain with somebody if you're afraid of that pain,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you will be if you haven't worked through your own infertility. You issues. have nothing
1: to give to the child. Then, right. Too. That's, and I,
2: that's the greatest gift you can give to your child, mm-hmm. is to have worked through all your issues.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me... Um, would you? Would you? We talked about this earlier. You'd recommend that birth adopted parents help their children find their birth parents later. Is there an age you feel is appropriate for that they seek that they would seek their birth parents?
2: Well, I I, I guess I don't. I think each case is just so unique and so different. Um, you know, I've heard people that have had their children ask at age eleven. Mm-hmm and they've contacted the birth mother and maybe started writing letters, started mm-hmm. out in a real gradual way to get to know the birth mother. Uh, it all depends on, on the birth parents and, you know, what condition they're in what um, influence the adoptive parents think that they're going to have on the child. Um, my daughter and son-in-law have an open adoption, mm-hmm. um, and that's working out very well, and so... Uh, little Megan Grace
1: mm-hmm.
2: will know who her adoptive mommy is from day one. Mm-hmm. She has pictures and everything.
1: And but what she, happens when you have um, you have birth parents that just aren't um, able to? Um, you know, there are some birth parents that just aren't um, stable enough to be able to handle that relationship. Um, uh, what happens, what would you recommend in a situation like that where it's just not, it's not, it's not a good situation for the child to have contact with the birth parents or the birth parents to have contact um, because maybe some mental issues, mental health issues.
2: Mm-hmm. I would recommend that the adoptive parents just be very protective of their child
1: mm-hmm. and
2: set very firm boundaries.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they're in control. The adoptive parents are in control, and always utmost in your mind you want to say, what is best for my child? Right. Um, uh, I have a friend whose mother was Mm -hmm. mentally ill and was reunited with her. And that wasn't until later in life, but it was a, you know, no matter what kind of information we get, whether it be positive or negative, it's part of our history.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And so, you know, for my friend, she is very grateful that she was taken out of the home you know, right, part of her gratefulness because God took her away from a mother that was ill mm-hmm. and put her in a home where she could have both a mother and a father that were healthy.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And so many children, uh, I know that in foster care would just love that they'd have. They there's so, so many waiting children that would not love nothing more than um, to have a, a permanent loving parents. You know that would be there forever, a forever home. That's right. And so I think that uh, you know more and more people. Um, I'm encouraging them to look into foster care and waiting children because we would like to break that cycle right away and let that child know that they're there permanently. And they just blossom. You know, we noticed that too.
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's what I heard the judge say this morning. There was a foster child that was being adopted, and he said to the parents, now is this going to be a permanent home? You know, that was something they had to agree to before the judge. Mm-hmm. And this little girl was just. She was probably 11 years old, and just so excited, she could hardly stand it.
1: I have li- a
2: forever family. Oh,
1: that's wonderful, and that's yeah. such a crucial age too. I just uh-huh. love seeing the older children adopted. I think it's crucial. Tell me. Um, let's share again where our listeners can pick up a copy of your 20 things adopted kids wish their um, their parents adopted parents knew, and the 20 life transforming um, choices adoptees need to make. And before you do that, I'll also have a link on our site over. So if anybody misses that. We're going to have the, the, um, um, the audio of our program today um, on our site. And then tonight, also, if you've missed a part of this, you, you joined us late, or you have friends that think would benefit from this, you can have them come back to uh, letstalkadoption.com tonight, uh, 9 o'clock Pacific time, and, um, you know, your time zone, and listen to the program again this evening. But share with us where you can pick that up.
2: You can pick it up at any Christian or secular bookstore. If they don't have it, just remember the title. Just remember two words of the title, 20 Choices, Mm -hmm. and they'll be able to look up the number and order it for you if it's not there. You can go to Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, all your favorite sites will have it. Um, Or you can order it directly from us at www.adoptionjewels.org. That's
1: great. Well, thank you for listening. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Sherry Eldridge's last uh, tip today, and then we're going to go on to our eBay questions from our email bag. So, hang in there, don't touch that mouse.
0: Lifetime Adoption facilitates domestic adoption of infants and older children nationwide. They have customized plans to fit any need and handle open as well as semi-open adoptions. Lifetime Adoption has a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week birth mother contact line. All their services are private and confidential and financing is available. Visit their website at www.lifetimeadoption.com and see their over 80 online adoption family profiles. You can also visit the Birth Parent Seeking Family page. That's www.lifetimeadoption.com lifetimeadoption.com.
2: Hi, this is Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. My guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call into Positive Living on Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Leader Talk, a new type of talk program, is dedicated to the important issues facing today's business leaders.
4: Your hosts, Drs. Eric Dent
0: and Linda Smith, will engage in truly thoughtful talk about leaders setting future business strategy. Dr. Dent is a former business executive who is now the Executive Director of Doctoral Programs at the University of Maryland. Dr. Smith has a doctorate in workplace learning and organization development from Columbia University and is the head of Smith Consulting. Join Eric and Linda as they go beyond the fads to discussion about what is enduring, successful business practice. That's Leader Talk every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com. Leader Talk, what business executives
5: are using tomorrow,
6: we talk about today.
5: Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling or whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Monday at noon Pacific time here on VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, the world's leader in internet talk radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. If you would like to participate in today's program, you can email Marty at info at letstalkadoption.com. Now, once again, here's Marty.
1: Hi, and welcome back. And as we're wrapping up our show, we have our mailbag yet to do. And um, we want to ask Sherry for one last um, tip she might have for anybody listening regarding um, adoption and, and searches or working with our adopted children. Sherry, any tips on there you can share with us?
2: Well, I would just encourage you to love them unconditionally and, again, to say that you will always be there for them. Educate yourself about loss and grief and the ways to help your child work through that loss and grief. I mean, it can begin from day one. I'm so glad your birth mommy gave you to us, Mm -hmm. to love. Um, Talk with them about adoption. Make it a, a... everyday part of your language. Not that you're going to obsess over it, but just make it a normal part of your vocabulary of your family. Um, take them to Scripture. I think that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know a lot of my healing came from being educated about all the psychological aspects of it, but it was really God's Word to me that that really brought the healing and brought the closure and finality. And, you know, the world will tell you that adoption loss is an irreparable wound,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that Jesus can heal every aching abyss of our
1: heart if
2: we only let him.
1: And you're a perfect example of that, too. Oh, and thank you. Sherry, we'd appreciate your time and sharing your personal story and information. And I uh, just want to encourage families, uh, anybody listening to adoptees, you can go to www.adoptionjules.org for more information, or you can visit our Let's Talk Adoption site, and we'll have transcripts of our program today there in a couple of weeks. So thank you again, and we hope to have you back on the program again. Thank you again, Sherry. Thank you. And now on to our Adoption Mailbag. Each week we'll be answering questions from our listeners. Luann is with us today with our email questions. Uh, welcome to the show, Luann.
6: Hi, Marty. Our first question is from Terry, and she asks, "Where can I go to get additional information on biracial adoptions?"
1: Um, there are quite a few sites online. Um, I would, uh, you can do a, a search on, uh, like a Google search engine, for biracial adoptions. Um, AfricanAmericanadoptionsonline.com dot com um, is one location, and there um, is a, a an African American uh, enrichment program that allows adopted parents to adopt. Um, sooner than later and for less um, financial output. So I would encourage you to check out uh, african com or you can always email us and we can send you that uh, link. The next question
6: is from Ingrid in Sweden, and she asks, Dear Marty, how should I, as a single woman of 55, adopt a biracial child? What would be the best to do? Here in Sweden, the social worker who is working with my home study says they won't say yes to adoption because of my age. Everything else is okay, work, home, support, family, and so on. It is only my age that is wrong. I've been trying now for more than two years, and I'm not getting any younger. I have five adult children, so I know what it takes to be a parent. And now I would love to have a child in my life again. Please, if you have any answer, tell me.
1: Um, You know, since I don't work in Sweden, but I can give you some information. We get a lot of international questions in, too. Um, you don't mention your age. I mean, you mention your age, but you don't mention if you did get your home study and you can go out elsewhere. Um, there are some options you have. One would be to uh, adopt an older child. So you don't mention the age of the child you'd like to adopt, um, which would be wonderful for your age because a newborn would be very difficult at with a mother, a single mom at fifty-five. If anything should happen to you, um, it would be very difficult for that for that infant as a small child to, to cope. So I would encourage you, if you've got all this love, is there's plenty of waiting children, and I would encourage you to check with at least 20 organizations in the U.S. and also Canada and in your own country and network with other adoptive parents that have adopted successfully, and you can do that online. There are quite a few Yahoo groups that you can subscribe to, and I would encourage you to do that. The other option would be to go ahead and do a dot program. Um, so you have quite a few options, actually, and don't don't get discouraged if you get turned down one or two times, but I would encourage you to look into an older child adoption uh, if possible. Um, and you're not old at 55, but for a newborn
6: it might be difficult.
5: Okay.
6: Okay. Our next question is from Cindy. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. She says, Dear Marty, we would love to adopt a little girl uh, between the age of five and nine. I have a boy who is 11. Um, She is involved in in vitro, and she would like to have more children. She's 41 years old, and her husband and she have so much love to give. Um, She has a comfortable home and a great family, and her son would really like a sibling. They attend a wonderful Christian church, and she says she could go on and on about how much love she has to offer, but so far... She's heard things like, it's hard to adopt an older child, or we like to place them back with the family, or why don't you try fostering? Someplace there must be a little girl that needs a warm and loving family. How do you find such children?
1: You know, it sounds like you've been talking probably to state agencies, and they, they do have a standard you know, line. They tell you it's hard to adopt an older child, do a FOS adopt program first. There are so many children out there, but, again, it's persistence, persistence, persistence. I can't stress that enough and uh, linking up with other people and not giving up. Um, you know, uh, you need to continue trying to find organizations, and I know that we have older children that come to us, not a whole lot, but there are so many private organizations that get older children to private agencies um, that are looking for older children placements, and they can do intercounty or interstate adoptions. So just because you live in one state and you don't mention the state you live in, but um, you can adopt a child out of the area. So if you go on and put down child photo listings online, you should be able to find some sites that have photo listings. Again, if you get rejected one or two times, do not give up. There's a child out there. And you're right, there are quite a few children that would love to have a home. It sounds just like yours. Um, if you have any more questions or run into dead ends,
6: please email us and we'd be happy to send you some links. Okay, I, our next question. Is interestingly enough, we have two Hawaiian adoption questions. Wow. The first one is from Marie. Uh She says she's been researching Hawaiian adoptions, uh, mixed Hawaiian Caucasian, but most sources, excuse me, there have said uh, that they don't have many local children to adopt. That they would rather the children be adopted by locals in Hawaii. This couple happens to live in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the sources also tell them that Hawaiian children are better off adopted by Hawaiians. Mm-hmm. And yes. the second one is, which kind of ties into the first, mm-hmm. is from Alicia. She okay. asks, she wants to adopt a Hawaiian child and wants to know if it's difficult.
1: Well, you know what, there is an attorney in Hawaii, Linda Lotch, very nice. Um, I would encourage you, L-A-C-H, I believe is her last name, and I would encourage you to contact her. But I, I found that we did some, some research and some work in Hawaii. There aren't a lot of Hawaiian children available outside of the island. Um, to be adopted, um, so I, I but there, it does happen, but not a whole lot. So I would encourage you to contact maybe Linda Lodge, an attorney in Hawaii, find out if she has a you know a situation. If you're Hawaiian yourself, you might have a better chance of doing that. I would encourage you to look at other China and other countries that have Asian children um, that I think uh, would be uh, might might be suitable also. And so you don't say why you want a particular Hawaiian child versus um, you know an, a child from another country. So I would encourage you to uh, look into that. I wanted to share with you again that our next week, our our special guest will be Adam Pertman, author of Adoption uh, Nation. And remember, our show is broadcast every Tuesday at 9 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The show is then rebroadcast in the evening. And our program and guest information is listed on our site at letstalkadoption.com. So sign up for our free newsletter and send some information And it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you have found the show to be informative and helpful. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell. Let's Talk Adoption. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. Tune in again next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on (laughs) VoiceAmerica.com.